Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app. All right, now talking with the number one defensive player in school history, Mr. Reggie Geary. Hello, Reg. Hi, Mike. How you doing, man? Not too bad, bud. Um, when it comes to Arizona basketball, and you lived this in the middle of it, the one thing that you always knew is that no matter what happened, whoever you lost, and you saw this, you played with this up close, you were going to you were going to reload in one may, one way, shape, or form. Um, you know, you played on a Final Four team. I mean, heck, as a freshman, you played with Damon, you played with Chris Mills, you played with uh, uh, Khalid Reeves. Then the following year, after you know you lose uh, you lose Khalid, but then you got Damon. Then you lose Damon. You guys go in unranked, and within you know we've we've talked about this before. Within two weeks, you're in the top five. Arizona basketball just never really took a step back. It was always there. And I look at this year's team. You lost Ben Matherin. You lose Christian Coloco. You lose Dalen Terry. And oh yeah, by the way, still checking in at seventeen under second year coach Tommy Lloyd. Yeah, I mean, it speaks volumes for the program, uh, not only under Tommy's watch, but over the last four decades that we've always seemed to recruit at a high level. Um, that, yeah, you're, you're starting five. It's usually going to be full of NBA guys, but you're going to have a bunch of NBA guys on the bench that are biting at the bit, r- waiting for an opportunity. And so has uh, there been a lot of drop-off over the last four decades, and I think we're seeing that again, that, yeah, we lost three NBA guys, Ben Matherin, you know, Coloco, and Dale and Terry, which would devastate a lot of places. For us, it gives an opportunity for some individuals that are, are been biding their time for a chance to step up. Who are you looking for on this year's team? Obviously, everybody talks about Azulis Tabellis, but who is, who's Reggie Geary looking at and saying, you know what, I could see them making a big leap that year, you know, I, or I could see them being in that Reggie Geary spot where you go from being kind of that defensive jack of all trades to leading the conference at assists. Yeah, you know, I I, I think, um, as you mentioned, you know, Azulis Tabellis and Kirk Creaser, they're, they're the most commodities or guys that are going to be relied on. But when I look for people to really make big jumps this year, I think Pella Larson's going to have a, a breakout season. Um, last year, he started out with the broken foot, slowed, his, you know, slowed him down a little bit. But once he got going, you really can see some good things. And from what I've seen early here in practice, um, he's taking a little bit of ownership that he feels he might be, you know, a Ben Matherin replacement or, or, or Pella Larson uh, 2.0, we'll say. Right. Um, uh, Umar Balo, another individual. He's going to get more minutes this year. Really showed well last year with extended minutes of him able to put some um, some production on the floor. I remember that Bay Area trip. I think he averaged 20 over mm-hmm. those two. Big body, soft hands. Um, I think someone who's just got better and better under Tommy, and, and we look for that to continue. Now, speaking of Umar Ballo, great point right there. Um, guys that took a jump. And again, I love having you on because you traversed such an interesting era of Arizona basketball. And again, I'm not saying they're the same player, but like, when Ben Davis goes from being a junior to a senior, and granted, you know, obviously JB had some eligibility issues, but Ben Davis made a really big jump. Were you able to tell early on that, you know what, this this is a different animal this year? Because the reason I ask that is because when you look at Umar Ballo just right now, he looks like a drastically different player than he did last year. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Ben and, and Ballo, they're, they're guys, they're, you can just see their confidence growing with the minutes. You know, with, with JB in, in 1996, with JB, you know, having to step away from the team, it really opened up things for Ben where he was like, you, look, you start looking around, it was just as, in terms of upperclassmen, he was really our only upperclassman in the front court. So he thought, like, this is an opportunity. Luckily for us, he had the, the, the mindset and the skill set to kind of dominate as a, as a big-time double-double guy. Ballo's in that same position now. There's no longer Coloco um, in front of him. He's going to get starter minutes, starter touches. And with that, your confidence grows. You start, you know, you start 
start feeling it in practice, and that starts translating into game habits. Now, Umar Ballo, like a lot of people are wondering, you know, what exactly can he do? Um, what's fascinating to me, Reg, is that last year, I'll be honest with you, when he came in, I thought he was going to be more of a, and this isn't a bad thing by any term, by any means, but I thought he was going to be more of a kind of a Gene Edgerson, a, you know, a guy that comes in there as a very useful role, physical. And then you would see some games where he's putting up, you know, 18 and nine, or he's getting five blocks or he's, you know, he's dominating in the PAC 12 title game. And I guess my question is, is it realistic to expect that maybe the kind of jump he made from his freshman year, not playing at Gonzaga to his sophomore year to his junior year? Yeah. I mean, this is a guy I believe came to the game a little bit later in life. Mm -hmm. And so when that occurs and they start having a passion and love for the game, they start making bigger leaps than maybe a person who started earlier. And I think that's what we're seeing here that, yeah, he came in to our program kind of thinking like, you know, he didn't really play at Gonzaga you know, where's this guy kind of fit in? And he just kept working. He kept developing. I think playing against a guy like uh, like Coloco every single day improved him because now he's playing against one of the best shot blockers. So now he has to adjust to that. And right. he just kind of his way. And then, then we all realized, like, hold on, this is a guy who's seven foot, 260 pounds, soft hands, very, even though he doesn't really, he's not demonstrative with his movements, very difficult to move. Once he gets established down there, it seems like he owns the paint. And so um, I, I think that has us excited. I think going into this year too, the strength of this team, at least early on, has to be down low. Because when you've got a Julius Tabellis, who again, should be, I mean, if you just look at logical, you know, improvement, 17 and eight, something like that. That's not that far off from what he's done his first couple of years. Let's just say Umar Ballo, 10 and eight, Vesar or Vesar, you know, nine and five. You could be looking at something where you're combining 35 and 20 just at the front court alone as far as points and rebounds. And it's not that outlandish to think about. No, not Atlanta at all. You know, this team has some really good length in the front court. Um, you know, Tabellas, we know when he comes to that mindset, he's dominant. Like he can right. really be a 17 plus guy a night. Ballo's going to chip in. You know, Henry, uh, Vosser, hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Um, he's a guy who is great length, great skill set for a seven-footer in terms of his ability to put on the floor, shoot threes. He's shown the ability to pass here early on in practice. Um, he's a guy who could really uh, play into the equation. Um, and so our front court is, is looking good. Um, Backcourt, there's still a little bit some questions in terms of depth and where that lies. But I think um, in terms of you know establishing yourself in the paint and playing with size, that shouldn't be an issue. All right. No, tell, you mentioned, uh, Kirk, um, let's talk a little Kirk Creaser right here. When I watch Kirk, the shot looks great. You know, he shoots it with confidence. He's made big shots. So, you know, it's not a nerve issue. What is, what does he need to do though, to be able to improve that percentage to where he's shooting, you know, 39% from three as opposed to 33, because physically and uh, mentally, it looks like he's got all the skills. No, he, he really does have a, a lot of good things going for him. Um, as you mentioned, offensively, his shot, is, is, he has a great shot. He's a guy, if we took him at the gym and he shot by himself and he put him to 53s, he's probably going right, to make 40. Right. Todd is there. As you mentioned, he loves the spotlight. He loves the big moment, never shies away from that. Um, I, you know, I'm a big Kerr fan. I'm also very hard on him at times, at least because I expect so much from him. And right. I think his percentages as to do with shot selection. Um, a lot of, you know, we want him to be aggressive when his feet are set and he has room. I'm sure coach Lloyd is telling him, Hey, let it fly. It's those two to three to four to five opportunities. Some nights where they're just not good shots too early in the shot clock. Maybe defense is, is, is contesting it. And it's just a low percentage three. 
he has to figure out, do a better job of figuring out those spots of when he needs to interject himself and then when he needs to step back and be more of a playmaker. Because when he does that, and we saw a little bit of that in the, in, in the, in the tournament mm-hmm. last that times when he has that not so much pass first mentality but when he's incorporating that to go along with his shooting to go along with his getting to the rim um, he really becomes much more of a dangerous point guard all right couple reads here real quick we got four peaks brewery the official brew of phnx sports you can get it at tap and bottle downtown where we have all of the away game watch parties and DraftKings. here's the deal new customers can bet just five dollars on any nfl game to win and get 203 bets if they do That's not enough. Everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, every leg you add, you get a boost of winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. It's simple. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app, code PHNX, promo code PHNX. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, Reg. So at 17, does that feel about right to you? Because honestly, it feels about right to me because you've got enough talent coming back, but you lost some really big time players. We know that. But I think there's also the potential to be better than 17 down the road. I think 17 is fair right now. You know, right. you know, preseason rankings don't really mean all that much. Everyone's it meant something to you guys. I know that, though. For sure. You know, I mean, they, they, all these, you know, these – these uh, experts, you know, this is kind of they're guessing at this point. So seventeen right. is. Um, it, hopefully, it will it will it will get this group thinking along the lines. Okay, now, uh, what it means to be an Arizona Wildcat in the top twenty-five. We want to stay here and remain here. Hopefully, they'll use that as motivation, you know, in practice and getting ready for these first couple of games. But seventeen is fine. Um, there is, as you mentioned, a lot of question marks. You know, kind of where how this team is going to to finish out into the day, and, and my whole thing is just everyone needs to be a little bit patient with this group, um, in terms of let them have an opportunity to find their way of play, find out where the production is going to come from, who their you know their one, two, three, four, five guys are in terms of pecking order and, and productivity. Um, so I think once they've set, that's been settled and they figure out how they're going to play, you know, seventeen and, and higher is definitely a possibility. Who are you looking for to be that perimeter defensive stopper on this team? Just, you know, before we get started right here, who's the guy that Reggie Geary looks at and said, that could be that guy right there. Who's the first name that comes to mind? First name, I'm going to go with Courtney Ramey, mm-hmm. uh, the fifth-year transfer out of Texas, um, an older player, experienced player. He understands the importance of defense, and I think at, at that two spot is someone who can really dig in and be that stopper, you know, when it comes. To, uh, be that stopper for them. Um, I, I do want to throw in Cedric Henderson Jr., mm-hmm. um, another fifth-year transfer, um, really good length um, in the red-blue game. Like he, you know, I think he blocked Ballo, blocked Tabellas on two on two different, you know, um, right. play. So those are the two guys. If I had to, if I had to pick two, but um, defense is, is really is what's gonna is gonna make a break this team. Yeah, and the one thing, too, about Tommy Lloyd that I've really come to like is last year, and we've talked about this a ton, but last year in the presser, he was asked about this year's team and, or his that previous year's team. And, you know, keep in mind, Arizona hadn't won a tournament game in five years. And he said, I know what good teams look like. This is a good team. And then he was asked about Coloco, and he said, and keep in mind, again, Christian Coloco played about 12 minutes per game the previous year. And he said, I expect him to be in consideration for the defensive player of the year in the conference both obviously turned out to be right. 
He said the same thing about Pella Larson again this year, about possibly being the defensive player of the year. When you look at a defender, what does Pella have that would, uh, just from a physicality instinct perspective, that would lead Tommy Lloyd to be you know, so confident in such an assertion? Uh, Pella's tenacity. He's right. a tenacious defender. He's a physical defender. Uh, the one nice thing about him, in all honesty, you can actually, he can actually guard one through five. Right. I mean, he really has that versatility. Um, you know, my biggest thing, my biggest thing with him is obviously being aware of, it, of staying out of foul trouble, right. um, because as a tendency to get so physical, getting to people that he draws the eye of the uh, officials that can, you know, sometimes that, re, you know, relates to fouls. He loves to take a lot of charges, mm-hmm. um, but he, he's a good defender, physical defender, just has to be mindful of the fouling. Okay. And then, so I kind of think that the starting five, and again, could be wrong on this, but I think the starting five, I'd be pretty surprised if it wasn't Kerr, Ramey, Pella Larson, Tabellis, and Ballo. Are you kind of on that same page? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's how it's kind of going right now. And, and um, there might be one or two interchangeable parts, but I think that's a, a good solid five. Cedric Henderson, though, to me is fascinating. And I'm not sure that we maybe are talking about him quite enough because, again, comes from Campbell, but his pops played it. Uh, his pops played around the same time you did as well. So obviously good bloodlines. And but when you look at him, Reg, he played very well against Duke last year um, when they, uh, when he was at Campbell. He's about six, six. Pretty athletic, can do a little bit of everything right there. He's kind of an intriguing wild card for me. No, he really is. He really is. You know, um, we. I'm not sure yet if, he, if he's a three or a four um, right. in terms of position, um, but he, he's a guy, I think, like I say, he, he, he's, he should be comfortable in the moment, the fact that he was a double-digit scorer for um, for Campbell last year. Um, so he's already played big minutes. So if he, if he understands his role, which I believe he will, kind of, kind of a Justin Kyer role, an older guy looking for quality spot minutes to help this ball club, he really could be effective for us. All right. Adama Ball to me is, and again, I don't want to, I got to be careful here with all the comparisons because I nerd out on it. But at the same time, I remember too at the end of, uh, it was either Mike, I think it was Mike D's freshman year where, you know, Luke started talking about how we'd like to find ways to get Michael some more minutes next year. And then sophomore year, he goes from averaging about four to about 10, 11 a game. Then he blows up and becomes Mike D. Um, Adama Ball, again, I'm not trying to put him on that career trajectory, although I'm sure he'd be okay with that. Um, but you could tell last year that Tommy Lloyd in his pressers, when he would say, you know, probably should have started playing him a little bit more. And he said, but I'm glad that we got him out there now because he really, he really played well at the end of the season. If we're talking the ultimate wild card on this team as to, he could average four, he could average 10 to me, Adama ball is that one dude. Yeah, no, Adama, you know, he, he did a really nice job last year of just kind of being patient and working hard. And when called upon, he really did step up. I, I think going back to maybe the UCLA game and then the Pac-12, um, Pac-12 championship, he had two major threes. Right. Really play in that game. One off the dribble. And then he had a pull-up off the dribble, too, where I didn't even know that was in his bag. I know, seriously, I mean, he really showed uh, some nice flashes last year. Um, he, he's another guy. Keep in mind, he, he's only, I think, 18. He should yeah. be a freshman. Last year, he should have been a senior in high school. Right. He was still kind of adjusting to the speed and size of the college game. Um, but once again, I think uh, he's going to get more minutes this year, uh, which is, could go both ways. Um, mm-hmm. Give him opportunity to get more experience and also make some make some mistakes to learn from. And I think Tommy will be patient and let him kind of sort through that. But um, he's a guy, once again, he can give you four points or 14. We're just not sure where he's going to figure. But we know early on he's going to get some minutes to, to kind of uh, you know, find himself. 
All right, two more advertisers. We're blowing up on advertisers here now, Reg. We got more furniture, morfurniture.com. They've redone the entire PHNX studios. Looks fantastic. If you need any furniture, this is the place to go. Check it out. And Game Time, here's the deal. Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets, shows, concerts, you name it. Save up to 60% on tickets when you buy tickets last minute. It's great for you procrastinators out there. You love PHNX, then you'll love game time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. All right, wanted to get to it. We've got a bunch of comments here. Um, wanted to get this one to you, Reg. KB Thiel. Anyway, we see a death lineup like the Warriors where you go something like Kerr, Ramey, Ball, Pella, and Henderson, where you could just go super small at points. Um, yes, I, I think, I think that's a possibility there. I think with the size and, and, and the versatility of this team, Tommy can go big or small. And so I think you're going to see Pella Larson at the four spot on occasion. Um, maybe even a five, that might be a little much, but there's definitely going to be some very small lineups where Tommy can kind of look and see how that's effective. And there's going to be nights where Pella might be at the point. Right. Where, you know, and, and Henderson's at the three and you have, uh, Henry out there. With Tubelas, you know, you know, in your multiple, you know, multiple guys six six and above. So we have the ability to play small or big. I think it's really going to work well for us. But going small is definitely is definitely a, an option. Okay, and then do you see Courtney Ramey? Could you see some of playing Kerr Creaso a little bit off the ball this year, and Courtney Ramey playing some point just to try to get Kerr in some more you know specialized positions right there? Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing to think about. You know, um, we know you know Kerr is such a, a good shooter when his feet are set. Um, and if someone can make the game easier for him and, and kind of break down defenses to free him up, I think that's something they're going to look at. You know, early in the year or early in the season, there's some games there, our first, I think, three or four, uh, which on paper should be wins. Um, that's also a really good time. Where we kind of can explore some of those things as, as they build on those ideas. Okay. And so, all right, what is your, I think this team last year, a lot of people wondered about the toughness of the team, you know, it's first year in there. Um, Tommy talked about, you know, um, he's they're going to be a tough out, but need to show some more grit. What are you looking for from that perspective? Yeah, just just being physical, just making sure we're, that we're hitting first when we get into those games. Because as you mentioned last year, that was the that was kind of the word on Arizona: be physical with them. You can kind of push them around. We saw it in Tennessee. We saw it in the tournament. We saw others try UCLA and Pauly last year, and so that's kind of the the word on that: be physical with them. I'm looking for that pushback this year. Are we hitting first? And if, if not, you know, are we still not backing away from, from that physicality that, that we see on occasion? So this is a bigger team, a younger team. So that's something we're going to have to watch, keep an eye on, and they're going to have to figure out. Who's your guy right now at the end of a game? Like when you're looking at it and you're saying, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's our, that's the Miles Simon right there. And again, I'm not saying there's a Miles Simon, but who's, who's that guy right now, do you think? And I know that this obviously can evolve. Yeah, you know, um, obviously Kerr is probably one of the candidates just because we know how much he likes that that moment. Right. Um, but I think Pella Larson is still the guy. Um, he, he he's physical. He has the ability to get to the lane um, and get and create contact and get fouled. He's he's comfortable at the three. He really can do it a lot of different ways. And when you have a guy like that, you can put him in positions at the end of games to take advantage of that. So I see probably Pella as one. Kerr maybe a two, and if Tabellas is having one of those nights and you can figure out ways to, to isolate him, whether on the elbow or short corner, you maybe can go there too. All right, Reg, before we sign off, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about just kind of the Ben Matherin debut. Um, uh, 19.7 rebounds, a couple assists. When you were watching him up close, obviously, and you got to see him up close, what did you think just from an NBA, as a guy who played a couple years in the league, 
what did you think that his ultimate upside was and what he can or can't be in the NBA? Yeah, you know, I've had the, the purpose to watch Ben the last few years and really just watch him to mature into this, into the player he's become. And he's always has been an elite level, um, just a, in a, lack of a better word, a beautiful scorer in much of the lines of Khalid Reeves. It makes the game look very, very easy. Mm-hmm. Elite level athleticism, confidence. He always had a great um, uh, way about him, how he handled himself on the court and off the court. And so you just always saw kind of a young professional. And just to see him have the year he had last year, he goes into the NBA Summer League, sets the NBA world on, on, on fire in terms of giving notice, and now going into his first game, 19 points. It has not stopped. He right. Bain just very, and he said it, I've remained confident. I'm here to show the world kind of what I can do. And so he really has a huge upside. I, you know, he projects out probably, uh, you know, a 10-year pro with a couple years maybe as an all-star. You know, That's what he, I was going to ask you. Does he have all-star upside in your opinion? In today's game and how it's played, most definitely, because he's right. a shot, great space. He can play in the open floor. You know, God willing, he stays healthy. Yeah, he, he definitely projects as an all-star. Let me ask you this, Reg. Before uh, Tommy Lloyd in, obviously in year, uh, year, going into year two, what has maybe surprised you, impressed you, something that maybe you didn't uh, necessarily expect so far? Or maybe you did expect this. With Tommy, I think the big thing has just been – him as a person, his personality, how transparent and open he is. We didn't really know him coming into this situation. And, you know, he comes in and he follows Sean Miller, who, who did a nice, you had a, had a good, you know, 10 years here plus. And we just didn't notice, we didn't know him. And he just had, there was just something about him. People just liked him uh, immediately. The players loved him from day one. Right. And they in um, to what he was doing. Obviously, winning helps that. But I think it's just been his personality, his openness, and making this really a, a player's program where guys are, aren't afraid to play. They're, they're, they're willing to go out there and make mistakes, not look over at the coach every 16 seconds, right. and, and can just keep going forward. And I think um, the players have responded, and, and Tommy and the fans here in Arizona have been rewarded. What is, you know, when you, because obviously you got to play for the ultimate coach that gave you the ultimate freedom out there. What is it like for a player when you don't have to just look at the coach every single, when you basically go into a play saying that, okay, like, I, you know, I, I should know what I'm doing by this point or coach has confidence in me. How does that, what is, how does that instill in somebody like Reggie Geary or any lead guard? Yeah, no, I mean, confidence is everything, you know. Um, I was very fortunate, and I've said it a lot, when I when I came in at a modern-day high school in Arizona, it was a smooth transition for me. Coach Olsen was very comfortable with me and instilled confidence in me from one. And so I took that confidence and ran. And so when a player plays for uh, a coach where you don't have to worry about um, uh, making mistakes or, or, you know, you know when you make a mistake. When I make a mistake or I've done something bad, I don't need, uh, you know, right. someone – to be on top of me. If I need to come out of the game, a coach come out, you know, he'll he'll pull me out. But um, just to have that freedom that, hey, I made a mistake and I can learn from that on the floor. Now, if I've done it multiple times, pull me. I get that. Um, but we can't do this every single time. So when when the player has great confidence in himself and, and realizes more importantly, the coach has confidence in him, man, sky's the limit. What made the jump for you from your junior to senior year? Let me ask you that because, again, there were a lot of questions going in because you hadn't really played on the ball a ton, and you went from that to average in 10 and 7, leading the conference in assists while maintaining your uh, you know, your defensive presence, obviously. What, um, what, what changed for you? Or was it just the fact that Damon was gone and that you just had more of an opportunity to basically express yourself on the court? Yeah, I, I think that that's really what it was. You know, I always was a point guard mm-hmm. to, you know, in terms of mentality. Um, if you looked at my career, I, I was always probably led the team in assists three of the four years. Yeah, I was you did. 
know, but two to three years I was off the ball because we had, you know, uh, uh, right. you had some good guards. Yeah, some pretty good guards. And so my senior year, I, I, I always took ownership, but my senior year, I could take full ownership of this group that, hey, this was my group. This is how I remember Chris Mills kind of being that leader when I was a freshman and Damon as a junior. And now it was my turn. And so it just was just more more minutes as, a, as the primary ball handler and just that mindset. This is my group and this is my year and I want it to be special. What about Luke? And again, Luke, Luke recruited quality individuals. So, you know, that goes without saying. But what what about Luke, though, basically almost inspired basically everybody, it seems, to be successful in some. You have either got Reggie Geary's who are calling games or you've got, I mean, just from your Damon Stoudemire, assistant coach, JT's coaching, Miles Simon's been coaching, just from your, you know, what really has made, what really, I guess, sparked everything for, because Everyone turned out to be really successful, almost, and you generally don't see that. Yeah, you know, Coach Olsen, what made him such a Hall of Fame level coach was uh, there was a lot of things, but he he enjoyed coaching, he enjoyed recruiting, and 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 he didn't. I think the it goes without. He, he didn't recruit by numbers. A lot of these coaches nowadays, they just want to put together a top, you know, as many top 50 kids as they can get regardless of, of how they fit into the program because they're just kind of recruiting by numbers. Coach actually recruited the individual. He recruited the family. He recruited the moms. He knew the kid. He knew what kind of personality and character he was getting. And not every kid was great. He knew some would take more work than others, but he knew the kid and, and, and he wanted to work with them. And I think when you go about recruiting in that way, when you're really not just looking at what he can do on the basketball court, but how he is in the classroom, how he is with his parents, how he is with the coaching staff, you, you, you have a better chance of, of discovering special people. And Coach had a Hall of Fame eye for that and did it for a long time. And, and we've been, you know, it's, it's been a great family. Right. And uh, one last thing, tap and bottle downtown. We have away game watch parties for all college or U of A basketball and football. Mr. Triple Double himself, Matt Muehlbach, showed up last time. So bringing in the heavy hitters. Come check it out for Peaks Brewery on tap. As always, Reg, really appreciate you. Arizona basketball is here. And um, I know that I uh, can't wait to listen to you and Brian on some of the calls, my man. Yeah, no, thanks, Mike. I really appreciate it, man. It's that time of year again. We're super excited. Football is doing well. Basketball is almost here. So everybody keeps supporting us and uh, bear down. You know what? Real quick, too. And I always think about this. At the time, you really were at the apex of Arizona football and Arizona basketball when you think about it. Because you're in a Final Four. They have the Desert Swarm coming off of Fiesta Bowl. And then four years later, they kind of replicate that as well. But the 90s was a 93 to 98 was a really, really good spot for Arizona athletics. I mean, this always has been a place of excellence, but during those 90s, it, you know, it really was. You know, I, I didn't know anything other than all of our programs being top-notch, which we've kind of got back to. Right. But you mentioned football was doing their thing with, with Brewski and Waldrop and Chuck Levy and, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, all the great football players. Basketball was doing their thing. Softball was right. Playing, I, Anyone that's Shepard three of the four years I was here. Right. Frank Frank Bush at swimming. Incredible. Mm -hmm. right. It took 20 minutes for them to do an announcement because there were so many Olympians and <laughs> for sure. And you know, just down the line. So uh this has always been a special place. The 90s was a place of excellence, and I think we're getting back there. All right, Reg, I'll let you get back. But again, my man, really appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. Um,